That was Work Bitch from Britney Spears' eighth studio album, Britney Jean, which would in fact be certified gold in February of 2018. And the single Work Bitch would in fact go on to be certified platinum in the U.S. with sales over 1 million copies. Now, something a little bit different about this episode is we're going to talk about uh, the songs and more of Anthony Preston's experience. So for those first-time listeners, welcome. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. I interview songwriters and producers of your favorite music from the global hits to the deep cuts to the unreleased and more. All the while, we are helping charity and talking about the arts. For every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. We've been able to help out homeless LGBT plus teens, women in domestic abuse shelters, and more. To find out more information, visit me, add me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And a big shout out to my Patreon patrons. This podcast, The Original Doll, does in fact cost money to create. So a shout out to Benjamin, Ryan, Xavier, Adam, Rochelle, Tommy, Jenny, and so many others on Patreon. Thank you so much. If you want to uh, join the patrons, you can go ahead and do so for a dollar a month www.theoriginaldial.com. Thank you all so much. And we continue our conversation with Anthony Preston as we talk about Work Bitch and the Britney Jean Project. And a big shout out to Nick and Paco for the remix of Work Bitch that we were allowed to play. And a gentle reminder is, once again, as with every episode on the original doll, reproduction of any audio on here, ripping of audio on here, is illegal in every country in the world. So please refrain from stealing the audio and posting it on Twitter and things of that nature. Just direct people to the podcast. Thank you so much. And a big shout out to all of those listeners and those people who are going back and re-listening to some of these songs that we've talked about with guests. And have no fear, we do have our episodes with Simon Ellis coming up, uh, where we're going to be going track by track for the circus tour and the Femme Fatale tour, as well as talking to him about his work with the Spice Girls. And we also have some other people that are coming up that I think you will be very excited to hear from. So I'll stop talking. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The original doll.
All right, next subject we'll go into is I want to talk a little bit about your experience with, you know, you had, there's, as now we know with the Free Britney movement, everything, there was always a ton of, what is it, cooks in the kitchen, a ton of people. So why don't you talk a little bit about, about that? And because clearly everyone talks about, you know, when you're in the studio, there's a lot of adversity. There's a lot of people that are trying to make things work, not make things work. It's very political to an extent mm-hmm. with behind the scenes. So, you know, talk a little bit about your experience of that and what, what, how you felt in dealing with this project. <laughs> well, I'll say that, um, yeah, those, these types of projects can get very political. You know, there's still an industry beast behind, uh, still an industry, right? We wish it was just an art and an art form, but it's still an industry. And there's lots of, uh, like you said, there's lots of cooks in the kitchen, lots of um, personal interest floating around. Um, And it doesn't always um, allow for the most creative process. It doesn't always allow for uh, mistakes to not be made, no matter who's making them um, or who made them, you know, it, it, it's obviously way better when, way better, my niece says that, it's obviously better when um, everyone's really focused on the same thing. And I think what um, Brittany's fans are experiencing right now is the opportunity to Um, kind of take what she's telling you has been her life experience and running that against the timeline of the releases or the projects or the tours or and you get a better idea of what she might have been um, experiencing on some level um, and get the um, answers to questions that they'd had. I think that she'll tell her story um, in a method, in a way, I don't, you know, she might choose to do a biopic or write a book or something, but, but, I, but I think it's, it's great that she's finding her strength. And I think she'll tell her story when she's ready to tell her story. So I don't want to take away from that, but I definitely think that we have a chance to say, oh my God, when we thought this is what was happening, this is actually more of what was going on from her perspective. And I think that that's what's really important is to understand um, her journey and her challenges and her reality and and what she was dealing with um, real time. I I think it it just really answers a lot of questions. And and so then how do you, as somebody who's an artist and somebody who ultimately became friends with, with Britney Spears, how do you manage trying to work on a project in which, you know, people are like, eh, let's like, I want this to happen. No, you want that to happen. You know what? No, we're not going to go. Like, how do you deal with that, that sort of thing, being creative minded to not just give up to, do you know what I mean? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, where yeah. did that strength come from to keep going and be there for her in the project when you have these people pushing these things against Listen, you. I can tell you from my experience that um, my perspective more than my experience it was very much you know I put my, I allowed a lot of people to um, 
it's funny because I was a lot younger, obviously, then, um, and way more self um, unaware and self unsure. Um, and I allowed abuses, if you will, that there's no way I would let some of those things happen to me today. Abuse to but, you. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, when you're the, the most green in the room in the situation, you definitely, um, you know, you, you're the least represented, the, the, the least protected. Um, and, you know, there, there, there were definitely situations I didn't know how to handle. It's not even so much about these other people and things that they were doing. It's more, in my story, it's more about me and I just wasn't, I was not in over my head in some ways, but life-wise in over my head. I didn't know the things I know now that I would be able to better navigate and handle certain situations that, you know, were incredible by virtue of any other situation and story, right? Um, I'm not sure that anyone would have known. And so in a lot of ways, you know, I was, I thought I was doing what I could to protect my friend. I thought that at the very least, you know, I can provide a place of sanctuary um, in these sessions and a place where she can speak freely and open up and talk to someone. Um, you know, I, 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 I hear stories now about recordings and text messages being mirrored and things like that. And I, and I think about how so many of, um, like I remember very specifically how security would sweep the studio before we'd go in. And I'm like, were they sweeping the studio or were they planting bugs? And then, you know, you wonder, like, like when I think about the story and that's not an accusation, it's a question, right? Yep. And it's more like, and, and how it really plays out for me is more like, okay, um, now I know that my text messages were being read. Our private text messages were, or at least that's what I'm hearing, you know, I don't know. But then that explains other things, you know, that happened to me in terms of, you know, I, I you think you're doing a great job of, of not letting people know that she's telling you private things that she doesn't want discussed. And, you know, people are, you know, reacting as though they know. And you're like, I, I didn't say, it. you know, like what's happening, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So there's, there's questions and there, I have questions that kind of come out of that place a little bit. Um, but I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, my heart was in the right place. Um, it was just an incredibly, um, it was an unbelievable situation. Um, and all I really wanted was for my friend to be okay. What has shown in, in, in talking with you and, and the hours we've actually spent talking and everything, um, I think what I like is that first and foremost is the way that you've talked about this is, as a human to a human first, you always talked about Brittany in a way that like, what do you need? What's going like, you know what I mean? Like, how can I help you? Because I feel like some people consider her just this product that they can right. just 
latch onto. And I think that's what I've liked in this, in the stories of, you know, the shoes and things like that. And I, and the other thing too, is it's like knowing that there was so much happening behind the scenes and everyone from the first album on that I've talked to has always talked about, no matter if she was being hounded by paparazzi that day or had a fight with somebody or was breaking up with somebody, she still went to the studio and was just professional. Like, Hey, I want, I don't want to waste your time. Even if other people yeah. put time constraints on there that so many people over the, the, all the albums that, that I've, and I've talked to somebody from every album yeah. is they always said she was always making sure that she wasn't wasting your time. And she was always that Southern girl that was still like, is this, is this right? Is this okay? Or do you feel good? Like, yeah, she's, she's very sweet, very charming in that way. Um, and definitely professional in that way. Um, I think maybe there was some uniqueness to the story in my perspective, in terms of what she was really dealing with or where she was in her personal journey, um, where she wanted to have some private conversations that probably extended well above and beyond the creative process. Um, you know, and, and, and the other thing too, is there were moments where, um, she didn't want to talk about the things she was dealing with, where she just wanted to create, you know, we'd have a full plan on what we're supposed to be doing this day. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to write a song. You want to write a song? Sure. Let's write a song. <laughs> I'm down, you know? Um, I mean, there's one that's so good. I hope you guys get to hear it one day, but. Um, oh, and for those, those listeners, just to let you know, I'm going to hop in there. Don't bother Anthony and say, hey, can you leak this, release it? Because this, I think people assume that they're entitled to this stuff, but it's also like, I know it's, yeah. it's stuff you worked on with Brittany and you respect that art enough to go when she's ready. And it, if it goes to another artist, great. Um, but, and the thing is the songs that I've heard that were for the project that haven't made it, that other people are like, wait, what? They're so good. And there was always this thing going, wait, how she said it was her most personal album and everything. I go, people, you only heard, this much of the actual songs that were worked on for that project. Right. There was a completely whole different, I feel like just in talking to different people involved in the project is there, it would be like a director's cut of a movie. If there was what Britney right. wanted the album to be, it was vastly different than what we ended up getting. And it was almost like a hybrid. This person wanted this, these songs, this person wanted these songs. And it's like, right. I and in some of the songs and, and for the listeners, when we talked about Hold On Tight earlier in the episode about Brittany was just like, I want to make a song. You know, I just want to do create and her right. not even knowing that she had the ability to just girl, fine, strike everything that we're supposed to work on. Yeah, do what like, you're feeling. Exactly. Like I even remember, you know, there was this whole she was I remember when she told me about Hold On Tight. Um she was like, I have a song and I want to record it. It was almost like, I was like, well, let's definitely, let me hear it. Like, and let's, let me tell, let, I'll tell them that you have a song that you want to, <laughs> that you want to put out there. Um, you know, let's, let's just, and she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, come on, let me hear it. Like, it's great. Like, sure. You know, and even that got politicized later on in the process, you know? Like it's, 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 it was a, it was a very unique um, setup. And I think, you know, as she continues her fight, um, which I don't think she's going to stop 
I think you guys are going to hear way more about some of the um, experiences that she was having um, in her workspace that she wants you guys to know about. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. It's like what I've loved is we're we're learning more. And I think there's always this whole thought of like what's going on in her mind. It's like, well, just listen to her, watch her, look at like she, and she's also private enough to where she knows the line of what she wants to say. Cause she could have easily said X, Y, and Z, B, 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 blah, 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 sort of thing. But she's always been a private person. And I've had people say, oh, if the NDAs don't exist, let's just have everyone talk. It's like, no, that's not, a lot of these NDAs were the record label saying, you don't even know if you're going to work on this project. And here's what you find out that it's, it's more, the producers that I've talked to, the songwriters, they're like, I'm not spilling any tea of what she talked to me privately about because she talked to me to open up about a situation or to your point, how she was feeling. Like if she wanted the world to know, she would have just said it. And maybe that's her using some of these songs. And I think that people still need to just give her the space to just still grow and create. The thing is, everyone asks me, do you think she's ever going to sing again or perform again? I go, what I know from day one, since I've listened to her, followed her, watched interviews, she's a creative person. Whether she chooses to dance for the rest of her life, make poems, collect Tamagotchis, whatever it is, that she's going to do that because creatives don't, you don't turn off the creativity. It doesn't just light up from nine to five. These ideas, these journals she had, and other people talked about these journals that she had from like the circus album or in the zone and and the original doll era. And I think what's cool is we as fans and listeners get to learn about you and the the collaborators that she's had, because everyone has a vastly different story about how they even got into the industry, you know, and and here the, the thing that shouldn't get lost is, you know, you're a black man, you're a gay man. There's, the music industry is not as progressive as people want to feel that it is. <laughs> They're like, well, no, we have Madonna gay icons. It's like, but all those people behind her are cisgender straight men. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a whole another, that's a whole another space. You know, I was talk, talking to someone every day and I was like, you know, I got started a little late and they were like, why? And I was like, well, I had to wait till culture would open doors. I used to try when I was younger and, you know, I've got, called names and you know it, it, <laughs> it was a different time and this was just in you know 2000 like this was not you know it's crazy we've come a long way in a short amount of time from in terms of making um you know making discrimination and oppressions uh unpopular and and i and i i actually give a lot of credit to artists like Brittany who um, you know, a lot of it has to do with this moment of connectivity that we're having, uh, where we're all connected, no matter where we are on earth. And, um, you know, we just generally know better. The next generation just generally knows better, but we still hear stories. We still are watching kids, you know, commit suicide at 12 from being teased mm-hmm. who have parents that were probably saying things at home who, you know, that they shouldn't say, meaning that the bullies parents you know these things are still reality so it still sucks in some ways that these realities are still existing for for children but um hopefully i'm very hopeful that the next generation is really going to um put their foot down with some of these systemic and cultural oppressions 
um, so that people can live their life experience the way that they want to and they need to. I'm hopeful. I know how far things have come just since I was 20 um, and how much work we still need to do. Um, so the fight continues, really. So yeah. now to, to wrap this up, can you talk a little bit about like, what are these future projects? What are you working on now? Like, so that we can, because I shared that, that remix that you did, that production of Easy On Me, because I was like, oh. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm definitely a huge, huge, huge Adele fan. So when they released the vocals, I was like, oh, this might be as close as I ever get to work with her. Um, <laughs> so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. Um, no, I mean, just listen, sometimes when you don't have those, you know, it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, systemic oppressions, you have to have the right people, you know, in, in your corner, and it still relies, you know, it's still, it's just still very heteronormative cisgender, which is not, you know, look, I need to grow up as well. So I need to do some things and learn some things differently. Um, as well, so it's it's very uh, it's kind of like you find yourself oftentimes at a catch twenty two in terms of understanding your own personal journey. But Adele, if you're listening and you ever want to work together, I will do anything. But in terms of what we're working on now, uh, you know, I'm we're obviously still pitching songs and developing artists and wanting to you know my I think I want to help the next generation of people like me who um, haven't had the easiest time um, navigating professional music spaces. Um, I know the industry is opening up and that in a lot of ways, um, there's so many creatives and so many songs that, um, you know, how do you break through the chatter? How do you become an Adele? You know, I mean, we all look at Instagram and TikTok and we see these incredibly, incredibly talented kids. And there's so many of them. Or we're seeing it on these television shows where the voice and there's just so many of them. Um, so how do you establish yourself as a mainstream act and, and cross the great divide? And yes, you still need the right people in relationships or in the right amount of money behind you for promotion and marketing. Um, and these things are important, but I think that there's a huge opportunity for, um, especially in the LGBTQ plus space, um, you know, I'm noticing how um, even mainstream artists are finally reaching across the great divide. Um, and you're seeing things like, you know, Nicki Minaj, you know, really lean into her fan base, like in a way that she never has before, um, which is amazing you know, or the Doja Cat, like the, the, a lot of these artists are, and even um, cisgendered um, heterosexual identifying men, um, Jay-Z, you know, I think it was huge um, when he accepted the GLAAD award, um, but not so much the GLAAD award, just the stories behind the GLAAD award, be it his mother or his relationship with um, Beyonce's former stylist and best friend Ty, you know, the, these stories and narratives matter to um, these young people who are trying to figure out their lives and, and, and things seem impossible to them on a daily basis. Um, so I'm very hopeful in that space and to be a part of some of that um, would be amazing. 
Because what I like is that like you love art, you love music, you love creating, but also you love like that development side, that creating those new, because there's so many people that have so much talent, but they don't have that one person that might be able to polish it off a little bit or offer them some sage advice to go, you know, here, look this way or do that. But I think it's, it's at times it feels like it's the wild west with music publishing. Some stuff needs to completely change like the mechanical, all that yeah. stuff. It's like, you know, I should not, you know, be listening to, you know, uh, Brittany Jean 40 times a year and everyone gets a half of a penny of a penny of a, you know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Oh, I definitely know what you mean. I mean, we're definitely, like you said, the wild, wild west. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately in some ways it makes the creative community and makes us dispensable. Um, because there's just so much talent out there. Um, you know, there was a time where there was a, there was a time where there was a very um, s- relatively, it was a small community compared to now of creatives and they were protected, you know, and that's just not so much the case anymore. Um, I, you know, we watch the Spotify login that everyone kind of, you know, this is your Spotify stats. And I'm like, if you guys really understood what goes on behind those numbers, you know, from a livelihood perspective, but we're also dealing with the, a different time. Like I see all the CDs in the background. People don't buy those anymore. You know, like I remember I was a kid with towers and towers and towers of CDs in my bedroom yep. and I had to pay for those, you yep. know, and kids get access to all of that for nothing. If they're willing to listen to some ads, and that money comes directly from the livelihoods of the creative community. Um, and I think it's, you know, incumbent on if you love music, I mean, we've said this so many times in so many different ways, but if you love music and you love art, you love creativity, pay for streaming services, you know, like streaming services is technology isn't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the new messaging is if you actually love music and, and, and you want to be supportive, pay for your streaming service and be willing to pay for it. You know, the truth of the matter is that maybe $5.99 a month isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, but- and it's it's messed up because people don't realize that. And you just brought up a great point for listeners is there's a different S-E-A-T-E. There's a different streaming calculation where if I'm on Spotify and I don't pay for it, it takes almost 4,000 streams to count one unit. But if you're on a paid one, it only takes about a thousand units, which is still crazy difficult. But that just shows you that there's a lot of people that think they're helping out. But if they really want to help out, you can get merchandising, Patreon, OnlyFans, whatever people are doing. Like Cardi B has an OnlyFans, Chris Brown does, like where it's about music and things like that. And I think that if you want to support those songwriters and producers, this is why I've loved doing what I'm doing is follow them. Are they going to be in concert? Are they working on a new project? Are they working on a new app? Um, because I think of it this way. Growing up, me growing up poor in Chicago, I could not have survived trying to make it as a songwriter. I have no talents in that way, but songwriter, producer, or anything. Because if it takes a million streams for me to earn you know, $20,000 in a year, that's not very likely to happen to me. So then it's like, well, sorry, I can't go to the studio today. I have to go work. I have to go work 40 plus hours and I'm taking transportation every day, you know? And I think that's something that people should keep in mind because I think of it this way. 
the last name of Rodriguez, you know, my dad's side of the family from Mexico, it's, there's a disadvantage when you're a minority on top of any of this. And then having those opportunities. And I've had people all the, I've had several songwriters that reached out to me and they said, oh, last name of Rodriguez. And I said, yeah. And they're like, well, you're not the demographic we're looking to be in. I'm like, fine. I don't want to talk about your song or whatever. Like it's, this is just a love letter to everyone who's done so much to show there's such a diverse, it takes a village. There's a bunch of people behind the scenes. And if we don't start honoring them and giving them their flowers, there's not going to be many more generations to come because for every, let's say Doja Cat, because you mentioned like streaming height or anything, you have millions of other artists just trying to make, just trying to get a a thousand streams. You know, so many songwriters and producers I talked to are like, my friends don't even stream my own music. They're like, we want to support you, but we don't want to buy the album. We'll just go ahead and stream it. It's like, right. And everyone has the ability at whatever level they're at to help them out. YouTube streams, everything. So um, how can people follow your new project, what you're doing and everything? Well, we are going to, I'm going to be releasing some projects in the new year. Um, Yeah. My production partner and I, Andre Lindell, um, are going to actually release our own song under the brand A2 um, called Funky Back, which I'm, hoping people like <laughs> and um and yeah just going to continue to to uh move with the punches and and figure out how to um to stay in the game a little while longer that's mm-hmm. the goal is to survive and stay in the game a little while longer want to give a big shout out and thank you to Anthony Preston for spending several hours talking to me on the original Dow with James Rodriguez and actually have no fear. We have one bonus episode that we are going to be releasing in the next 48 hours um, that dives a little deeper into some of the songs that we haven't discussed yet. Um, And I just want to, you know, give a big shout out to all of those listeners. And once again, please be sure not to rip the audio, post any snippets of audio online. It is against the law in every country in the world. Uh, Just direct people here. And don't forget, thank you for listening on Apple Podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcast, you're helping out the charities and individuals in need. We have more pictures of some of the great things that we've been working on. And once again, for those who want to know, the theme song Iconography will be released on a vinyl with some special guests and some songs from former guests of the original doll. So be sure to follow me on Instagram.original.doll and add me on TikTok at the James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. We have more coming up with Simon Ellis. Uh, we are talking to a producer from the In the Zone and Blackout era, and we are going to be talking to some of your favorites from other pop stars. So be sure to take a listen and a special episode with a creative person from RuPaul. So have no fear, we have more coming up, and big shout out again to my Patreon patrons. Twitter, also you can follow me at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. And send me a, you know, send me a, a message on TikTok or comment on one of my TikTok videos. What's your favorite Britney Spears song? A song that you really love. Go ahead and check it out at the James Rodriguez. All right, and I will see you all on the flip side. <laughs> the original doll. Yeah, yeah. Don't you want my heart?